A few years ago, I had the opportunity to, uh, to lead a team from Harvest Time uh, to India, and uh, we went to uh, Delhi uh, in India, and we're doing ministry there, and uh, just had an amazing, uh, amazing opportunity. I'm, I'm praying that God opens up a door to be able to go back again. Um, but one of the things that we did while we were there uh, was something that I had never been introduced before to, um, and, uh, and it was the game of cricket. Uh, cricket. How many of you have ever played cricket? How many of you ever have heard of cricket? All right. So so some of y'all have heard of cricket, not a cricket, cricket. All right. Uh, And so we had no idea uh, how to play it. Um, And uh, and it was a bunch of high school kids. And uh, they were like, uh, let's play. And okay, let's do this thing. Um, and uh, they sort of, you know, gave us a little bit of, uh, of a run through of it. And, and uh, we were kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, now, take again us as people coming from the States who are really well acquainted with baseball, and then you play cricket. Um, they are not the same. All right, not the same. And we would get up there and try to swing for the fences every single time. And uh, that did not work. Uh, that did not work. And so um, we were playing cricket. We were having a great time. We had so much fun uh, with the kids, and we were just enjoying their company um, and building relationships with them. And the beauty was we didn't keep score. You know why? Because we were getting smoked. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was not even, it was so ugly. Like, I mean, U-G-L-Y, no alibi. We, it was ugly. Um, and uh, it was just like, wow, uh, these kids are amazing, uh, incredible at cricket. And we were not. We were not. And uh, thank God we weren't keeping score because nobody lost that day. Nobody lost that day. We just had a great time. We had a great time. We just had fun building relationships, and it was amazing. We've been talking about this whole thing of keeping score. And we've said that in life, if you, you, you will lose when you keep score. You, you lose when you keep score in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 tells us love, love does not keep record of wrong. Love does not keep record of wrong. So, so what does that mean? That, that, that we need to learn to forgive one another. Paul even writes and he says, forgive one another as Jesus forgave you. You must also forgive. And if we're going to keep score, that means we're not going to forgive. We're unwilling to forgive. And I'm telling you, if you're unwilling to forgive others, you will lose. That's keeping score. It's holding on to something and unwilling to let it go. Unwilling to to say, I forgive you. Jesus has forgiven us. Praise God. Aren't you glad Jesus forgives us of our sin and doesn't hold it against us? And the beauty of this is in our lives, if, if we'll forgive, then, then we are in, in essence not keeping score and we ultimately will win. Whether or not they forgive us, whether or not they, they reciprocate back to us what we're, recipro- what we're giving to them, that's when it, the Bible says, if at all possible, as far be it as you live at peace with all people. It doesn't say if they want to live at peace with you. 
And I'm saying, if they're kind to you, then you be kind to them. It doesn't say if they're willing to forgive you, then, then you forgive them. No, it says forgive as Jesus forgave you, so you must also forgive. Listen, Jesus forgives us whether we accept it or not. He has forgiven us. And it doesn't change his love for us if we continue to reject him. He still loves us. He still loves the world. He came to this world because he loves the world, because he loves us as human beings created in his image. His desire is that none would perish, that all would come to repentance, that all would come to have an understanding. They need a relationship with Jesus. And so he sent his son to die for us and rise again so that we can have life and have it abundant. And so we need to forgive others, but we also need to learn to forgive ourselves. And in forgiving ourselves, it's not about self-forgiveness. It's about accepting the forgiveness that we have already in Jesus who wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. Yes, have you messed up in your past? Have you sinned in your past? Have you done things that are, are evil in the sight of God? The answer is yes. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is guilty of sin. Jesus Christ died and rose again to set you free from that. Forgive yourself by accepting the forgiveness that you have in Jesus Christ. Are you willing to accept that forgiveness? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that we have in Jesus that he can cleanse us from all our sin. All our sin. Past, present, future, he cleanses us from all our sin. And when we blow it, and guess what? Even if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to continue to sin. You are going to continue to do that. Why? Because you're a human being. Why? Why? Because so often we choose our way over God's way. So often we, we choose to sin. We do that. We choose to sin. God does not make us sin. God does not tempt us with sin. But we choose to sin at, because of our own desires, the, the wickedness of our own hearts. But God doesn't hold that against us. He sets us free. And the beauty is, is, is yes, we can walk 10,000 steps away from Jesus. It takes one to get back. One. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent of my sin. I'm turning away. That's what repentance is, turning away from sin to God and going back to him. And so the beauty of this life is we can find forgiveness in him. But, but it doesn't stop there. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says that love does not insist on its own way. It does not insist on its own way. If you want to be someone who's not keeping score, you need to learn to let go. Let it go, let it go. I'm not holding back anymore. Wow, that was awesome. Thank you. Yes. That was terrible. Whatever. Um, no, you just need to let it go, right? You got to let it go. What is that? Remember we talked about that little, that little boy holding on to that marble in his hand so tightly that it was hurting his hand and his father came and said, let go. 
Let it go. I will hold it for you. I will take it for you. I will keep it for you. Let it go. What is that thing that you're holding on so tightly? You want it your way. It's your way, no other way. It's your way or the highway. It's your way. I'm not willing to let go of this. What are you holding on to? And God is saying, let it go. Maybe, maybe it's sin in your life. Maybe it's a bad habit that you have in your life and you know it. Maybe it's, it's a relationship that, that you're in that you're going, I need to let this go. I, I do not know what it is for you. I don't need to know what it is for you. God knows your heart. God sees the depths of your heart, the reality of your heart, and he wants you to let it go to him Cast your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He loves you. Desperately loves you. And he doesn't want you to have to struggle. Even though, yes, we will. Yes, we will struggle. He wants us to depend on him in that struggle. He has promised to never leave us, to never forsake us. So here's the thing again. You lose when you keep score. Turn to somebody. Turn to somebody, I've been making you do this, so turn to somebody again and tell them in their face, you, you don't have to get real close, just tell them in their face, you lose when you keep score. Go ahead, tell them. All right, awesome. Yeah, so, so it's not just their problem. It's not just their problem. You need to internalize this. You need to, you need to think about this for yourself. I lose when I keep score. Say that. I lose when I keep score. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, here's the thing. If I go back to that story in India. If, if we had kept score, if we had kept score, we most certainly would have lost. We did, we did, I mean, there's no question. We lost. <laughs> Badly. Badly. But, but here's, the, here's the truth that, that I want to just hone in on today for just a little bit with you is this. If you lose, then others will also lose. It's not just about you. It's not just about you. You, the, what you do, the way you live your life, the, the keeping score that you have going on in your life is not just affecting you, my friend. It is affecting others around you. And if you lose, others will also lose. Think about that. If you are unwilling to, unwilling to forgive, unwilling to accept the forgiveness that Jesus gives to you, unwilling to let go of what it is that God is instructing you to let go, my friend, you are not the only one who is going to lose. The, body makes, the Bible makes it clear that we, the body, lose. That as the body of Christ, we lose. When a part hurts, we should hurt with it. We lose. And, and, and you and I must come to understand that this is not just happening in a vacuum. This is not just happening to me. It is, is it affecting other people. And when you lose, others 
we'll also lose. If you would, turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, we have three main passages that we're going to look at. I'm going to let the Word of God do most of the speaking because it is the best speaker. And, and so I'm going to let the Word of God do a lot of it. And I just want to read some of this and let it sink into you and understand that there is something very, very prominent in our lives as followers of Jesus that we need to let go. We need to say, God, here it is. I'm giving this up and I'm willing to stop keeping score in this area because I don't want others to lose as well. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God has been made manifest, in other words, shown among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, in other words, substitute, that's what that word means, substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love, or his love is perfected in us. It's perfected in us. Let us love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. When we were in India playing cricket, here's the thing. Not a single one of those kids came up to us and said, you know what? You are horrible. You are a, you are a terrible cricket player. You do not know the first thing about playing cricket. The way you were standing there trying to swing that, whatever the board thing is that they have, forget about it. You were terrible. I don't even know why you're trying. And, and you know what they didn't do? They didn't point their fingers at us and tell us how bad we were, how evil we were, how awful we were at this game of cricket. It was painfully obvious. It was so obvious because all they did was they played the game the way they know how to play it, and it was obvious to us we had no clue. We did not know how to play cricket. We were not cricket players. Do you, do you know what? As I was thinking about, about what I want to talk about in this idea today, I, I, I went back to 1992. I know some of y'all were alive in 1992. I, I was a freshman in college in 1992. So some of y'all are like, oh, man, I feel really old. Some of y'all are like, ooh, I feel really young. And then there's some of us that are in the middle that are like, some days I feel old, some days I feel older. Uh, whatever. Um, so as, as, as I was in 1992, I headed off to, in, in that fall of 91, I headed off to college. Not, not a care in the world about Jesus. 
I didn't care about what Jesus wanted. I didn't care about what Jesus had in his idea for me. I, I didn't want to do what Jesus wanted me to do. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was going to go my own way. And so I went my own way. And then I met a bunch of people who were in, desperately in love with Jesus. You, you know what they didn't do? They didn't point out all my sins. They didn't point out all my issues. They, they just came alongside of me and instead of pointing their finger at me and telling me how evil I was and how bad I was and all this other stuff, they came and they put their arms of love around me and they just loved on me. And you know what that showed me? It showed me that I don't have Jesus. I don't have what they have. I am not a cricket player. I, I did not have Jesus in my life. And what it demonstrated to me is, and I realized, I realized this in, in January of 1992. I don't have Jesus. I want Jesus desperately in my life. And I remember in January of 1992, I surrendered my life to Christ, and nothing has been the same since. And here's what happened as a result of that. When I surrendered my life to Christ, you know what the Holy Spirit of God did? The Holy Spirit of God moved into my heart and he began to do what the Holy Spirit does is he began to convict me of the areas of sin in my life. You know what Jesus didn't say? Clean yourself up first, then come to me. Come no, he came into my heart and he began to do the rearranging. He began to do the re-cleaning. He began to do the, 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 the work that only his Holy Spirit could do. And he transformed my life. He transformed my life. And you know what? He still is doing that. You know why? Because I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time. I still sin. I sin every single day. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, continues to convict me of areas in my life that I must, that I must surrender. I must let go. That's the work that he does. Only he can do that. I am not your Holy Spirit. Your spouse is not your Holy Spirit. Your parents are not your Holy Spirit. No other pastor, no other religious teacher on this planet is the Holy Spirit of God. There is one Holy Spirit of God, and he, he does the work of convicting your soul, convicting your heart, that you need to trans, let him transform your life. And the beauty is, is he can do that. He can do that. He's doing it in mine. He's doing it in many of yours. What this world does not need is a bunch of Christians walking around, pointing their finger at everybody, telling them how evil they are, expecting them somehow to live like they have Jesus. They do not have Jesus Christ in their life. They do not have the Holy Spirit of God. How on earth do you think that someone in this world who doesn't know Jesus is going to live like they know Jesus when they don't have the Holy Spirit of God in their life? And, and what I see so often is, is that we as followers of Jesus are wanting behavior change. 
Behavior change. Change your behavior and then you'll be okay. Can I just say, if they strive to change their behavior and they fall away and they don't have Jesus and they die, they will go to hell with changed behavior. I'm not even sure true change behavior can actually come in somebody's life apart from soul transformation. And and I'm just saying, I I don't know about you, but what the Bible tells us is that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. And yet, we have the goal as followers, quote-unquote, of Jesus to point our fingers at people when, when we ourselves who have Jesus in our lives, have the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, won't even let him transform us. And we wonder why the world points their fingers at the church and says, you bunch of hypocrites. You you bunch, what? Jesus hasn't even transformed you. Why would I want to follow him? Why would I want to follow that, Jesus? This is what I'm talking about. When, when, when I was around those friends, I saw in them, and they loved on me, and they cared, and they were there, and, and they showed me. And actually, it was the Holy Spirit of God showing me, I don't have Jesus. See, the problem, the problem is, is that we're so preoccupied with trying to get people who do not know Christ to behave as if they do, that we're so distracted by trying to be right that we've missed what it means to live right. Philippians chapter 3, if you would. Philippians 3. Paul addressing the church in Philippi. talks about this thing of self-righteousness versus faith righteousness. And he says in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and safe for me. Look out for the dogs. He's not talking about literal dogs here. He's talking about people. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about people and he gives them this, this metaphor of dogs because in Palestine there would be packs of wild dogs that would be running all over the place and they would attack people at, at just very odd and very just random times. They would just attack and they would just rip apart and there was no, there was no feel of, 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 there was no compassion in them. There was no love in them. They would just rip up apart a person and then just leave them for dead and then move on. And then, and then he's talking about, he says, these evildoers, they think they're doing right, but they're actually doing evil. And then he says, they, he goes on, he calls them mutilators of the flesh. Why? Because they're expecting that these followers of Jesus, or these people, if they're going to follow Jesus, then they got to do an external, outward thing in order to follow Jesus. And Paul goes, Paul goes, 
We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. Count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Aren't you so glad for that? Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's, what's Paul saying? Paul is saying, listen, if there was some way that I could gain favor with God by all the things I've done, if, if living right is the way that I gain favor with God, then I've done it. I've done it all, and there's not anybody that has better ability to boast than I do. But what does he say? I count it all as rubbish. I don't know if Paul was English or not, but rubbish, I think, is an English word anyway. No, I'm just kidding. There's other versions that say dung. Anybody's, anybody's version says dung? You know what that is, right? Okay. Just making sure. Um, I count it as that. To what? To have the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ Jesus that's from God. I want to know Christ it seems really consistent with what he says in Philippians 1, 20 and 21. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body. I got those two verses mixed up. I put 21 first, by the way. I want to live for Christ, he says. I want to know Christ. I, I want others to know Christ. And he goes on as he's writing in the book of Ephesians. So if you would, one last passage. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. I wasn't here last week, so I get last week's time and this week's time. <laughs> Just kidding. Ephesians 3 verse 14. If this, if this would be our mantra, our, our, our desire as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, as the body of Christ, if we would, if we would do this, listen, for this reason, I bow my knees, verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named 
that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think according to the power of God that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That is God's desire for you and I as followers of Jesus in this world in which we live is that we would learn to love him. Love Jesus. I told Zach and Rachel, I was standing there before and I said, listen, the greatest thing that you can do for your relationship is not to love one another. The greatest thing that you can do for your relationship is to love Jesus Christ. Love Jesus, my friends. If I said, if you remember nothing else about anything I'm saying, love Jesus. Because I'm absolutely confident of this. If we love Jesus, loving others will just fall into place. Loving the word of God will just fall into place. Loving others. Hating sin, yes. Does God hate sin? No question. Why? Because it destroys us as people. Sin's whole goal is to destroy you and to separate you from God. And what we need is people who are going out in this world, wrapping their arms around people, and as they build equity with people, telling them the good news of Jesus, that he came and he died for them and he rose again to save them from their sin. And yes, I believe that as we do that, God, God, the Holy Spirit of God will do the work necessary to transform their soul. You, my friend, are not the Holy Spirit of God. We must stop acting like we are. We must be ambassadors of Jesus Christ as the Bible has called us to be. Representing him to this lost and dying world because without Jesus there is no hope for this world. There is no hope. And so what do we do? We go out as little Jesuses and we go out to wherever we go and we just be Jesus. Be Jesus. Man, we're running out of time. Ugh. It's okay. So how are we doing this? I, I, I want to I highlight five things as a church because we believe at Harvest Time that we want to help you love Jesus, not just you, but the world too. And so real quick, I'm just going to share five things as quickly as I possibly can. Number one is that you guys, um, when we did the budget in uh, 2021, and you guys approved it for 2022, one of the line items was a church plant. 
Um, and uh, what we wanted and what we believe God is leading us to do is church plants internationally. And so what has happened is that God has uh, directed um, and has been laying on our hearts as pastors and as deacons the opportunity to do that. And in Honduras, uh, Jim had made contact with a man who had started a church. Him and his wife had started a church. They have 25 people at the time. Um, and uh, they had no building. They were meeting outside. They were, uh, you know, just whatever, wherever they could. Um, during COVID, one of the pool halls in town closed. They began to rent that and use that for their church. Their church now has 50, or 50 to 75 people in it, um, and they are outgrowing that pool hall. They were able to purchase land for their church, but they did not have the money or the ability to be able to put a church on it. And so Jim, through his connections there and, and interacting with this pastor, and, and the beauty is, is that uh, not only are we going, not only are we planning a church there, but we're also going to have the opportunity to go and mentor and disciple those pastors and those church leaders. And it's being built as we're speaking right now. They're at this point of putting the trusses on, and they are uh, they are for seventy five hundred dollars. They're building a church. And, and you guys, through your giving, have made that happen. And so the team, when they go down, they're pouring the floor for this church. And then they're going to have a dedication of that church building. And so we're going to get to see pictures and other things of that. And, uh, and so they are planning a, a Harvest Time sister church in Honduras uh, right now because of you all giving. And so thank you for giving. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing. Um, that is what's happening, one thing that's happening internationally. What's happening locally, number, number two, is that you guys have given, and uh, we brought before you the remodel uh, project that is almost completed. It was put on uh, hold for about two months because, um, imagine this, we ordered something, and it got backordered. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, it just doesn't happen today, does it? Um, and so... The carpet uh, got back ordered for two months. That is in. Um, and uh, so very, very soon, uh, we have moved our offices out of the Family Life Center. And they are over here in where the old nursery area was, door number three. So if you come uh, to the offices, several people have come and gone to the Family Life Center. like, oh, they're right here. Uh, three, uh, go to door three. Um, and that is where the offices are, and then the nursery area and toddler area is now where the old or where the offices were. And uh, so, if you want, you can go over there and check it out. The door is unlocked. Um, it's not all done, um, but it is very, very close to being done. And so, um, that is another thing that you guys have uh, done through your giving and uh, and through helping. And there's there's been um, yes, we hired a group to do some of the work, and then um, we've also had people in the church that have done other parts of that. The other thing, number three, is new ministry opportunities. Two ministry opportunities in particular. One is the care ministry. What is that? It is a, our ability to train people who are willing to help care for those who are going through life-altering uh, circumstances like cancer, Alzheimer's, uh, through um, all sorts of whatever life-altering things that happen in people's lives. We want to come and walk alongside people as best as we can, but we also want to equip people to be able to do that effectively. 
to be able to come alongside and, and maybe, you know, someone who has, someone who has got uh, someone that they love who has Alzheimer's and they need a break and step away from that for just a couple hours, we can have people who are trained to, to be able to come in and, and be able to build a relationship with those individuals and then, and then be able to give some respite time to caregivers. Because I, I don't know if you understand this or not, those of you that are going through this understand the toll that it takes on not only the individual who has what, whatever it is they're going through, but the caregiver as well is big time. And we're saying we need to come along as a church and love on these people, care for them, and do it in an intentional uh, way and help help train people to do that. And so that is beginning. Uh, Mark Wilhite and Dan Johnson. Jane Johnson is new, one of the new deacons that's come on the board. Uh, Mark Wilhite is going off. These two guys are overseeing that, and it is moving forward. The other area is uh, Mayfire, and that is our ministry to special needs children and their families. This is a massive, or, this is a massive community of people in this area. And many, many of them are not going to church anywhere. They're not going to church anywhere, and, and partly that's because there's many churches that don't have any kind of intentional ministry geared towards kids that have special needs. We're saying we want to step up and be a church that provides train individuals and be intentional about coming alongside families who have kids that have special needs. And we believe that's going to continue to grow into youth, adults, all those kind of things. But we're going to need more and more volunteers for that. And again, this is an opportunity that you can get involved in and be a part of. And uh, David and Brenda Brown are helping lead that as well as a team of people and uh, very excited about what God is doing in that area. The fourth thing is a new ministry, a new staff position. Um, currently, we have uh, four different areas, um, clerk, church administration, an a office administrator, and a treasurer. Joan has been doing the treasurer job here 30? 30 some odd years. Close to that? Yes. Praise God for Joan. Joan is ready to close the books. All right, and, and enjoy retirement with her hubby. And, uh, and so um, that is happening uh, in the very near future. And uh, we're so thankful for her and the ministry that she has done through that for so many years. Paula is our office admin, and uh, she has, for the last year, been training with Jeannie on discipling women and has been discipling women, and her time in the office has become less and less and less because she is discipling more and more and more women. She is going to be moving out of the office administration and into a, the role of a women's discipler on a part-time basis. Jeannie is going to continue to be full-time uh, in that for at least the next year or two uh, because Jeannie also is wanting to retire. And uh, whatever that means for you all, I mean, if it's like Dalmas, it's Sort of retirement, right? <laughs> but anyway, I could go on a whole uh, sermon about that. But anyway, um, I praise God for these folks. And uh, can we just give a hand to Jeannie and to Paula and Joan? It's, it's awesome. And then we have, 
right now we don't have anyone who's acting as clerk, and we have no one that's acting as church administrator. What we are proposing is a combination of all four of these into one ministry, uh, into one position, which is called the church ministries coordinator. And it'll be a full-time position. You guys have already approved the budget uh, for a um, the for a staff member, um, and it's already in our budget. and uh, And we believe that this is the the position that God wants us to do. And it would be someone that would again be doing uh, all four of those things, um, and uh, and and utilizing their talents and the gifts and abilities in that area. And uh, again, I don't know who that is yet. Um, but uh, that is the direction that we're heading, and I want and ask you to be praying for that. And if you've got questions about that, uh, please feel free to direct those to me or to any one of the deacons um, and or to one of the pastors as well. And uh, I'm going to be actually leaving for North Carolina uh, today, so you can actually talk to Aaron. <laughs> I did not do that on purpose, I swear. Um, the, the, the fifth thing. The fifth thing is this. Um, you all know what's going on in Ukraine. Um, we have been praying as pastors. We've been praying as deacons. What do we need to do? And, uh, and who do we need to come alongside and help? And so what we've been praying about and what we believe God is directing us to do. Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Getting a little passionate today. Um, so Ukraine... Uh, what we're wanting to do is collect um, an offering, uh, and we're asking you to give as God directs you to give. We ask that you uh, prayer, uh, prayerfully consider that. Um, God, even, I mean, that's what the instruction is by Paul, is to prayerfully consider it and then give um, out of the abundance of your heart. God loves a cheerful giver. The organizations that we're going to be giving to are Jews for Jesus, uh, in the Ukraine, there is a large uh, Jewish population, and so we are going to be giving that money to Jews for Jesus part of it. Um, the other part is going to be going to GEM, which is Global Europe Mission. Uh, it is the mission that Sarah Paul, uh, our missionary that we support, is in uh, Europe, and uh, they are doing all kinds of work across Ukraine, Poland, uh, Moldova, all the countries that surround Ukraine that have refugees, they are doing much, much work there and helping meet physical needs and then introducing people to Jesus. The Jews for Jesus are doing the same thing. Um, some have asked, why not, why not Samaritan's Purse? I'll tell you why, because Samaritan's Purse gets all kinds of help from many, many different people. They're a large organization. Jews for Jesus and GEM are not as well known. And so we're saying we want to come alongside these two. And then the other one is our friend that works in Romania. And I've actually been talking to some of the pastors that are in Romania. Um, they are ministering to refugees like crazy in Romania. And so uh, a percentage of what we're going to also bring in is going to go to another child foundation to Romania um, and, and to, uh, to support and to help uh, Ukrainians. And so um, we ask you guys to be praying about that. Continue to pray for an end to this war. Um, and, but the thing is, is, here's what we know. When it ends, my word is going to be years of reconstruction. There's going to be years of, of whatever. Um, and so... 
uh, please and, and just encourage you to give. You can go online and give uh, and just click Ukraine, um, or you can give via check or cash or whatever, and just, again, make sure you mark it uh, Ukraine, okay? So those are some different ways um, that you can give. Those are some different ways that we're trying to help you love Jesus. Again, I bring it back to where we started. If you keep score, you lose. We need to stop. As followers of Jesus, we need to stop. And we need to be willing to say, God, not my way, yours. We want to follow you. We want to do what you want us to do. Go, shine like stars in this world that others might see the light of Christ and be set free. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for the patience and grace of this congregation. I know we're going over. God, thanks. I believe your spirit is at work here in the hearts of people. God, I don't know exactly what it is that that you're doing in each heart, but Lord, I know that you're at work. And so I ask that you in this moment would help us to be willing to surrender ourselves to you. And even as we just sing a little bit of this song, God, would you help us to just in this moment be willing to surrender ourselves to you. God, you are good. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. If you would stand and let's just sing.